There was a time when drawing and writing were not separated for you. In fact, our ability to write could only come from our willingness and inclination to draw. In the beginning of our writing and reading lives, we drew the letters of our name. The motions each requires hadn't become automatic yet. There was a lot of variability of shape, order, and orientation. The letters were characters, and when certain characters got together in a certain order, they spelled your name. Your shelf for mine Talking sophisticated topics all the time Your shelf for mine A kick back, relax, crack a book, unwind at your shelf for mine Your shelf Hello, and welcome to your shelf. Or mine. Or mine. I'm Becky Standall, Youth Services Librarian at the Longview Public Library. I'm Jennifer Jensen, Technology Librarian at the Longview Public Library. And I'm Jacob Collins, Library Technician in the Youth Services Department of the Longview Public Library. Hi, guys. Hello. Howdy. So we are here today to talk about Linda Berry, and this is the first month of our 2023 Our Shelf podcast challenge. We're recording February 7th because I had pneumonia. So starting the year off late. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say pneumonia. <laughs> um, so I'm going to have you guys do a lot of the talking today. And I think I'll just start with Jennifer and I want you to just tell me what your background is with Linda Berry, like when you first knew about her and uh, read her. So my first, um, my first experience with Linda Berry would have been uh, when I was a teenager in the 80s, late 80s. Um, I used to spend summers with my aunt in Forks, and she subscribed to the Seattle Weekly, which was, you know, one of those weekly newspapers, kind of like the Willamette Weekly, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it had comic strips, strips in there, and Linda Berry's was one, um, and so was Matt Groening. Uh, what was that, Life in Hell? Or, that sounds um, right. Yeah. Um, thanks. Jacob? I started reading Linda Berry circa 2013-2014 while I was at Evergreen. Linda Berry had published a few things at that point, and so she was sort of famous around Evergreen as an Evergreen alumni. And so one of my comic book instructors for a class uh, assigned 100 Demons for a class project. So that was my first foray into Linda Berry. And... It's funny because I think before this episode, I don't think I'd read anything except for her more like instructional books. Mm -hmm. And I read what it is in like 2008 or 2000, like right when it was new. And I think because it had showed up as like a best of the year or it won some award and I really liked it. And then Making Comics was published in 2019. I was on the Yelsa's Great Graphic Novels for Young Adults selection list committee and um we read it for that and had 
really good discussions and it ultimately made it on our list. I um when she started doing those instructional books, mm-hmm. I think I'm not sure if it was what it is or I think picture this was that the first one I think that was before that so yeah. when that one came out she did it was I think it was a I, I don't I think it was a fundraising event for um reading frenzy which was a I don't remember exactly what it was but it was a bookstore like an independent bookstore but they had a lot of more I guess, independent, published, um, mm-hmm. and self-published kind of arts and small press, small press things. And um, and so I got a ticket to go see Linda Berry, oh. listen to her, her speak, and then stood in a very long line to get a, a book signed by her. Um, but, and you used the the presentation that she gave you used to be able to watch it on on youtube because it was something that she traveled around and, and gave but i just remember the first she was talking about our creativity and how we're able to kind of what she's trying to teach is is reconnecting with the creative person in each of us that doesn't have that you know when we pick up our pens and you know whatever and we're we're drawing now we're always judging and when we were kids we just did it for the pure joy of it and so um, that was a lot of what she was was talking about but I remember like one of the first things she she said was you know remember your something about how she could say ask you what your what your first phone number was and Mm -hmm. and everybody could like think about it and think about you know go back to their sort of their childhood selves and and remember recite that that phone number I thought that was pretty cool because I have to go way way back to recite my phone number but I can still do it (laughs) they had phones then oh (laughs) Jacob yeah they were rotary phones actually no we might have had a push button I guess Okay, I'll see if I can find that video and put it in the show notes. Yeah, I don't. The last time I looked for it, I didn't. I didn't see it because I don't know if it was a, you know, it might have been a mm-hmm. copyrighted thing or, or yeah. something. But. I listened to, and I'll see if I find this too. So Linda Berry grew up in Seattle, and then she went to college at Evergreen and Olympia, and then she ended up moving to Wisconsin, where she still lives now. I believe so. And so I ended up listening to an interview she did with some Wisconsin public radio about some some job that she has there. She's got like a professorship at one of the colleges, mm-hmm. but then she was also like like a visiting writer or or something mm-hmm. like that. I'll put a link to that. But yeah, I really like that in making comics. Making comics is just like, have you guys read it? Yes. It's just pretty straightforward her class about doing comics. Mm-hmm. Down to, like, um, these are the supplies you need, and these are the rules for the classroom. Like, Mm -hmm. don't be late. Don't be absent more than twice. You'll fail. And all of the lessons. Um, So it's very cool if you want to take a class with her, but you can't go to Wisconsin. But I like how she, think, looks at comics as, like, a, a way for people to approach, like, creativity and art. Again, in a way where they don't feel pressured to have to be, like, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has another one that's very similar to that same format called Syllabus. Mm-hmm. And so I think that might be some of her writing um, things. And, and it's it's interesting because writing and drawing are kind of looks at those, it seems like, kind of the same way. They're both, mm-hmm. you know, basically mark-making. And, and, and I think the most important thing that I remember her saying 
like no matter what kind of what you're doing if you're drawing or or writing or you're not sure where to start she just says you know keep the pencil moving and you know you just and make it a practice I know a lot of writers and artists they you know they they set aside time and they they you know they sit down and they you know do their writing exercises or whatever and 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 she's very similar it's just you know no matter what if, even if it's just you're drawing spirals in your paper just keep it moving and eventually something will happen mm-hmm. <laughs> her kind of like opening exercise that she gives in making comics is to um i think it's in making comics at the end of 100 demons which i just read yesterday she um she also gives kind of a little class Mm -hmm. but uh is to close your eyes and draw something she said something specific close your eyes and draw like a mermaid and she finds that adults in particular will have like a hard time starting and that's like a thing that they can you know Mm -hmm. kind of lets it loose but yeah I didn't know very much about her background and that I read I don't know that she didn't like publish anything but she like went to school like you said with Matt Groening and Mm -hmm. somebody else and they like stole her stuff and submitted it for publication without telling her Mm -hmm. and that's how her first stuff got published really yeah was it like plagiarized or did they like publish it under her name they published it under her name yeah they submitted it just it for her and didn't tell her. Is that the Ernie Pook? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it did really well. And it was syndicated in a lot of papers. Mm. But yeah, it seems like she had started teaching and doing these more class style books, partly because there's like fewer newspapers and fewer newspapers publishing mm-hmm. daily comics or weekly comics. Yeah. Our newspaper doesn't publish comics anymore. So do you guys want to talk about any of her books in particular? Let's talk about 100 Demons. Have you read 100 Demons, Jennifer? Yes. Jennifer's read it all. Well, I don't know if I've read it all, but I have a lot of collections. I read, she wrote um, a novel and called Cruddy. Oh, uh-huh. And I I read that, and it's, you know, it's you could definitely recognize her in it. It's, it's kind of a different story. And then I have, yeah, pictured this and what, what is it? What is it? What, what it, is. it is. What it is. Yeah. And and then I brought the Complete Marlis was a collection that they put out um, to go, I think, or re republished mm-hmm. or, or collected things. So I got that in the fancy drawn and quarter drawn and drawn and quarterly. Drawn and quarterly yeah. like hardback edition and, and um yeah. Her books just make me happy. They're always so bright and colorful. Mm-hmm. And I really think, I was thinking too when I was reading that about Sarah Merck, who's giving a workshop at the library tonight, and I think has a similar sensibility about everyone should feel comfortable like drawing and writing. Um, another thing I like about Linda Berry is it makes, I feel like it makes me think more creatively and like want to create something because it's inspiring. And just to do it, yeah. not not because it needs to be a mm-hmm. finished project yeah. or something yeah. that you you know can display in mm-hmm. an art gallery downtown. Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt when I did I did that ceramic workshop when she was here in December, and at the end, I was like, this would be fun to do like a zine just for yourself. Yeah. Um. So what's one hundred demons, Jacob? 
No, I was going to say that I'm one of those people who's very critical Mm -hmm. of themselves when it comes to art and really with anything. But I definitely feel like I've been seeing a lot of supportive memes and a lot of people talking about doing art just for the sake of doing art. And that's been pretty inspiring, especially like just changing of just the idea of changing the mindset of you don't have to have a finished project at the end for it to be successful. Like the process of enjoying doing it is good enough and it's okay if you never finish projects. It's okay to just keep starting projects endlessly as long as you enjoy yeah. doing that. That's good news because that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's that? Oh, I started knitting that five years ago. I have a lot of different things in Google Drive mm-hmm. of just like story ideas. Like I don't, I never even wrote a word of the actual story but just like had a plot points of okay. different things so i don't know i've been becoming more accepting of that as a process yeah instead of looking at it like a failure mm-hmm. yeah that's good so 100 demons 100 demons is a collection of almost like short story mm-hmm. comics as she's reflecting on her childhood uh, and early life growing up um, a lot of them are centered around some sort of challenge or obstacle represented as a demon Mm -hmm. and some of them are humorous some of them are sad some of them are both and yeah i highly highly recommend it yeah and it's almost like she introduces it saying like this isn't really autobiography because there's fictional parts but it's also not really fiction because it's really heavily autobiographical so that's what it is and it's almost like the demons that she thinks of are like prompts for these like stories or essays yeah, at the beginning, uh, it says, is it autobiography if parts of it are not true? And is it fiction if parts of it are? I really, really liked that book. And it made me like, like finish it and give like as soon as I finished it, it made me want to just give it to somebody else to read. There was a few in particular that I really liked. And some of them are kind of funny. And some of them are really sad. And like telling Jacob that maybe my favorite one was this one called Magic. Magic is the Demon. And it's talking about like the summer she turns 13 or the summer after she turned 13. The song Do You Believe in Magic was always on the radio. And so it's like in part about the effects like a song could have on you when you're a teenager. But also about like when do you become a teenager? Is it like the moment you turn 13? Is it when this kind of thing happens to you? Is it when you can't play with like littler kids anymore? And her parents aren't around that summer at all. Um, so she's supposed to be taking care of her brothers. But mostly they're just eating frozen pot pies. It was so good. It really took me back to being 13. Yeah, I think there's a, a picture of her like lying in like the basement. Because she had like switched from living mm-hmm. upstairs in like a bedroom to like a furnished basement. Just being there all alone in the dark. Like listening mm-hmm. to different songs on the radio. Yeah, it was really good. And then she had this friend yeah. that... Um, was like two years younger I think Mm -hmm. who she just decided one day that she was too old to hang out with her anymore there was there was something distinctly different about her new teenager identity and her having this friend who hadn't quite reached that level Mm -hmm. of maturity yet and just decided I'm I'm done with this person and I definitely remember that I remember it from both sides like I had a friend in the neighborhood who was just a year older than me but like when it was like oh I don't play anymore Mm -hmm. it's like oh what am I supposed to do? And then that friend is called something in that story. And then like a couple stories later is the same thing, but it's a different name for mm-hmm. that person where she gets like really obsessed with hippies and gets on the bus trying to find them and ends up like at like a homeless shelter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, maybe I don't want to be a hippie. 
Yeah, I had this experience where I made friends. They were twins um, in fifth and sixth grade. And then I moved here to Longview and I had been living in Belfair. So it's, you know, two and a half, mm-hmm. two an hour drive. And they came over once and hung out with me. And then I never heard from them again after that. Like after I had moved, it was just yeah, never talked to them again. It was suddenly just the relationship was over. Is that weird when you're a kid? Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite ones was her experience working for two hippies uh she dubs them rippy and scammy (laughs) that's that one my first job that the demon is my first job yeah so she works for these these two hippies who like work out of their van and they make like cheap knockoff merchandise and they go to this festival and they go and try to sell it um, and they don't make any money at all like no one buys a single thing because they're like yeah we can tell that this is crap yeah Yeah. and at the end of it she's basically like asking if she can get paid for all of this work that she's done for the last like several weeks and then they get all indignant and angry at her for like asking for money or like kids these days (laughs) just want to get paid for their work and so she quits and she said the, something about, like, the feeling of quitting was so good she almost didn't care that she never got paid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about the festival, and she's like, you know, who knows what it was a festival of. There was always festivals. It just meant, like, a bunch of hippies out in the woods together. Mm-hmm. But, like, one of the, the people she worked for, like, disappeared, like, left. And they had to leave without him. And she had been sleeping on the roof of the van. And the other person started to drive away and like leave the festival. And she was like in the sleeping bag on the roof of the van and had to be like, (laughs) like, let me inside. And she was like a kid. Man, if you guys are going to write about a demon, what would yours be about? I'm looking at Jennifer intently. She opens with this really great one about head lice and a terrible boyfriend. And it starts about she never had like head lice as a kid. But when she went to visit her family in the Philippines, they were like there was this one boy who was really interested in like white head lice that white people got because they only had like brown lice in Mm -hmm. the Philippines. And so he said, if you ever get it when you're like home, send it to me because he collected bugs. And then all these years later, when she's teaching, like, a fifth grade, she gets lice and thinks about it. And that's also how she finds that, like, this guy she's dating, like, doesn't care about her at all. He's like, such a jerk. Full circle. Because of lice? Yeah, it's like an evolutionary trait where, like, it's, like, lighter color for, like, lighter hair. Mm. And so it's, like, white lice. Oh, no. So she's, like, just trying to tell this boyfriend about, you know, anything. And he's just so rude to her. And I believe the the boyfriend is Ira Glass. Nuh-uh. No way. I think it is because I, I looked it up on Wikipedia um, and he actually talks about like the experience of dating her. And no he way. says like what she said was true. Like I was terrible. Oh, no. And, like, it's probably worse. <laughs> would would like her teenage boyfriend or. No, this boyfriend that's being referenced oh. is like when she was a teacher. And she got her worst boyfriend, she calls him. <laughs> um, yeah, so she, okay, so she gets lice eventually, and then she has to tell him, because, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably has it too, and he thinks that she's, like, gonna, she's, like, breaking up. But she's, like, this whole time, he's, he, she's, like, he was reminding me of somebody, like, the way that he's treating her, and you're thinking, oh, he reminds her of, like, the the bug boy who was in love with her in the Philippines when she was a kid. And it turns out, no, it's, like, my mom who was terrible and cruel to me. That's who he reminded her of. <laughs> well, because there was also a reference in there that she started drawing 
again, as an adult, she was drawing comics after a bad breakup, mm. of, you know, a boyfriend that left her. But I think he left her for another girl mm. or something. So not Ira Glass, her worst boyfriend? That's so <laughs> funny. <sighs> what would your demon be, Becky? Get us started. Hmm. I should have thought about that before I asked you guys. I should have reread the book before we started here. I'd be much more prepared. Um, I know the answer that's going to get edited out. What? Work. <laughs> I don't think I could write just like I a know, short. That's like the first thing that comes up. But. A short, you know, it's got to be like a a short thing, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, here's something that comes to mind is like hamsters. That's maybe you I think of. Tell me more. So um, when I was a kid, my brother and I got these two little hamster babies and they grew up. He had made them a maze thing out of like toilet paper tubes and cardboard and stuff that was in the bottom of like the terrarium we had them in and then it had the wood shavings on top of it which I was annoyed at because then they were always in the thing and you could never like get them out you have to just like wait and like watch them go by and one day I was sitting there watching them go by and this tiny little one went by and I was like I'm not that little anymore and then, like, another one went by, and then a big one. And I was like, O-M-G. So they had, uh, they were siblings. They'd had a litter of hamsters. And then over that course of the next few months, several litters of hamsters. And we couldn't, like, separate them out fast enough so that they'd stop breeding. Because you think, okay, we got all of them in here. And then you're like, no, there's another breeding pair. And they've had another litter of hamsters. And eventually, every kid in the neighborhood had one of these hamsters and our friends from school. And finally, we figured out how to, like, separate them. And then and then they ate each other. Like, I come home from school or something and look in the cage. And one of the hamsters has, like, eaten the other hamster. And I always felt like it was kind of my fault like I didn't take good care of them or they were hungry and that's why they had to eat each other but that's apparently just something that will happen like if you don't separate the mom hamster from the offspring um, when they're grown she'll like turn on them the dad hamster will just have more baby hamsters with them but the mom will like kill them wow and that's what happened until eventually I just had one murderous hamster and that's why hamsters are my least favorite rodents (laughs) more so than squirrels well squirrels i mean squirrels aren't pets i mean at least as far as i know but i've had gerbils i've had hamsters i've had rats i've had mice not on purpose i babysat a friend's mouse like when they went away with their family for a weekend and then they never brought came back and and (laughs) took their mice and then those mice had babies. Yeah. Yeah. So rodents, they're, they're, a, they're a tough one. Um, I just had, my favorite one was a gerbil named Archie. I had a gerbil that I got similarly, like a classmate had got it for like a science project. And then was like, who wants this gerbil? And I uh, had to go. My mom was probably happy. I don't think. My gerbil was named Archie, and I bought him for 99 cents in a pet store in Port Angeles, and he was named Archie after my grandmother's nurse. So my grandmother was um, uh, terminally ill Mm -hmm. when I was about 
10. And so we named Archie after the nurse. He was a very nice nurse in, uh, I think, in, in uh, one of the Seattle hospitals. And Archie lived for six or seven years. Wow. Yeah. He had a good life. Yeah, he moved from Port Angeles to um, Klickitat County and almost got a heat stroke moving from Klickitat, where it was really hot, to Kalama mm. in 1980. I had a rabbit <laughs> that lived, I think I got it in fourth grade, and my mom was taking care of it when I was in college. More than 10 years. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So that is crazy. What would your guys' demon stories be about? Hamsters. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, everything that I'm thinking of is really dark. Yeah. So I, um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, and I think that's one of the things that I, I like, I always related to in, in the comics that I saw, especially the ones where, you know, it's like Marlis and mm -hmm. um, she has, you know, some characters that, and there's kind of this hier hierarchy, you know, there's the cool, the cool older one, but you look at, you know, she draws them the way they, you know, the way they, they're drawn, they always look like, um, you know, awkward teenager, mm -hmm. you know, bad skin, even though it's, um, I don't remember any of their names, but the, um, you know, the cool older teenager <coughs> and, you know, she's talking about how you need to do this to be cool. And, and you know that probably when, when this cool older teenager is in her, you know, Mm -hmm. element or where she you know in her school and in her classes she's still you know she's not, not the at cool the top yeah. yeah she's not the cool one either so just sort of I I could relate to that and and relate to you know my own high school experience and my own my home life and mm -hmm. all of that it felt kind of um, similar um I guess for me one of the like weirder animal experiences since that's what we're all coming to was with i had a cat who i adopted um and he ended up passing away and that was like a really traumatic experience he was hit by a car and that was like my first real experience with death as a child mm -hmm. and so i really just did not understand the process or like it had never really been talked about it before so it was kind of coming to grips with understanding like mortality oh and yeah and then after that we got this um other kitten that um got lost in the woods and i because we had this like strangely large like forest behind our house it was really cool that you could just go out and like explore in this and spend a lot of time out there and i the cat got out and got in there and i spent hours trying to find this cat and then i finally did and it was this, like, moment of triumph of, like, bringing this cat back. But it was just, like, the entire time I was like, I don't want to lose another cat. Aww. Oh, yeah. We lost cats, too. So it's kind of like a demon. Cats are yeah. like little demons, but they're wonderful little demons. <laughs> so you read Making Comics, I Becky. Can, can you tell us a bit about Making Comics? So what's cool about this book is it's, like, in the supply list for... Uh, the class of making comics that you take with the book, you need a composition notebook mm -hmm. and it's actually printed like a composition notebook also, which is a cool format. And like the pages are really the lines are Yeah. And the lines are there. She writes like, I think the in 100 demons are all written on like yellow lined paper. 
And yeah, she just starts talking about. And she's very specific. You want the the composition books that aren't gonna bleed. Yes. And yeah, she's like, you want a maiden. Yeah, she not even... not the cool like the recycled ones. Yeah, those those tend to bleed because she has she used like flare felt mm-hmm. pens and there's a ball ballpoint pen that she she recommends and index cards and yeah. So she has people do a lot of this um, Ivan Brunetti style mm-hmm. drawing, in his way of like drawing like a simple character was to have just a couple of shapes. So it would have like a round, like a circle for a head, and then a body shape, which is kind of like, kind of rectangular a little. And then that's what you start with rather than doing like stick figures, which aren't like super expressive um, and don't, you know, like grow into anything. And, but the, the Bernetti figure is um, something that you can really like work with. Mm-hmm tell a story with um yeah there's just it's exercises this one is four drawings in 12 minutes you'll need your flare pen your index cards a timer and to do four full body self portraits she wants you to draw yourself as an astronaut in space turning into an animal turning into a fruit or vegetable but no bananas and turning into a monster and you just have three minutes each to draw you set your timer and and you do it and in the book, too, she has her own art, but she puts, like, her students' art in it, too. So I think if – and we made part of, like, the challenge um, in Beanstack for this to do one of the exercises in one of her books. And it's just full of, like, more and more proc- prompts for doing them, too. Stuff that's, like, really short and doable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, not too time-intensive. Or yeah, or not too intimidating. And because we're – doing this linda berry mm-hmm. podcast we also ordered some new linda berry books for the library which, which were the ones we ordered um we had some already mm-hmm. and then i think we're making comics we already had that right it might have gotten damaged maybe am i getting a new copy yeah i think we have picture this mm-hmm. um but yeah i know we have some coming in and I think a lot of them were were more of the collections, the, the comic uh, comic strip collections. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just added um, the complete Marlis, which I noticed got checked out immediately. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you follow? Do either of you follow Linda Berry on Instagram? Yes. 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 I don't. Is it good? Yes, it's Nearsighted Monkey mm-hmm. is the name okay. of her handle, um, and she posts just kind of general updates. But a lot of it's her art, like mm-hmm. she's drawing like original, just mm-hmm. pictures for Instagram. Um, and she was really active during COVID in yeah. particular. So, yeah, she would have like little. She would just have little uh, live videos of she'd be playing whatever music she was drawing to, and you know, so you could draw if you wanted to or dance or you know whatever um, and yeah she and she was doing some different um, she does some fundraising so she'll mm-hmm. and those things go immediately she'll she'll put out some drawings that go up on it, her Etsy page and mm-hmm. and they're always gone they're always always gone um, 
pretty quickly, but there usually is um, uh, a fundraiser. One of the one of the other things she does in making comics is if you're doing her classes, she makes you pick like a name, a class name, mm-hmm. just like a different name. Mm. She's like a character type of thing that you like. She's been, I don't know, Professor Skeletor mm-hmm. is the one on this. Yeah. Like, I thought that was cute. Did and, she did she give a reason why? I, I assume it might be to like maybe separate yourself so you might feel more free yeah to... she's very because she's very she because the uh you know in this she's and i think syllabus is the same where she's you're you're getting into the mindset mm-hmm. to work mm-hmm. that you're doing you know even though you're doing something fun you want it's like it's this you know you want to devote all of your attention to it you know so get your phone away um and then yeah so you have your i think you also make a like a, a name, you know, so yeah. if, if you're in, in the classroom, you have a... This like you fold in one of your index cards in yeah. half, you make like a little badge. Okay. Yeah. So you go in there, and then this is who you are today. And, and I think she starts, like, everybody sits down, and she plays music, and you just draw for the, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the whatever the song of the, the day is. The length of the song, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then you guys go into your, go into the, whatever the exercise is. And she has similar things for I've I've done more of the writing exercises than the drawing ones, um, where you divide a, a a page into four quadrants, mm-hmm, an X. Yeah, yeah, and I can't remember what the different things are, but you know you um, you write about or draw um, something that you saw or heard today. Um, there might be something like a memory or, um, but there's, you know, it's a very, sp- there's very specific direction. So it's really easy to kind of be a, um, a jumping off point. So, so I think she's good with the prompts. The other one and another good one for prompts is Carson Ellis. And oh, during yeah. the, during, you know, the lockdown, she was doing, I think she was doing these almost every day, like a drawing prompt. Um, I think she's doing it weekly or monthly now, but but it's kind of cool. And she had this thing, and she the prompts that she was putting out were um, she just had like the little slips with with the words on them, mm-hmm. and so those were her kind of creative prompts. When she was feeling stuck, she would pull out you know three things from these three different, and it would be a you know usually an animal or something wearing something you know an item of clothing and then what it was doing and so these three different things um so i did a couple of those i can't remember what they what what they were but um you know it would be like a a bear wearing a sweater drinking cocoa drinking cocoa (laughs) yeah it's something like that and so and then everybody would um, you know, you'd have the tags and everybody would, would put in their submission. And it was always really interesting because you'd have like kids were doing it. Mm-hmm. So you'd have like little kid drawings, you'd had professional artists and illustrators doing it. And then a bunch of people in between. And so it was, it was kind of, kind of fun. And so she still does that. I haven't, I haven't done any of the, the, the weekly ones, but that's very cool. Yeah. So since we're like an audio like focused medium here on the podcast yes and we don't have any way to like show a picture yeah. of linda berry's art how would you describe it to someone who can't see it or to someone who's never 
seen her art before. I always think that like Linda Berry's a lot cuter than she draws herself as. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think she does like a lot of. How would I describe it? Well, her early her early comic strips because they were always you know they were black and white mm-hmm. just line illustrations and they were always very um, they always seemed like pretty two dimensional you know it was fairly. I mean, you could look at it and say this is, you know, really crude drawing, except that it was very expressive and yes, and and of course it was the things that were going on in it, it that you could you could relate to. But now, um, you know, there's so much color and 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 brightness. It's still and it still has that two dimensional yeah. quality, and it's and it's rough and it's crude, but it's very it's like deceptively detailed yeah deceptively detailed and also um very inviting and welcoming like it kind of talks to the creative person and everybody like you know i mm-hmm. i could do that i mean that would must be very fun um yeah it's almost like some of it is like a kind of like a doodle quality yeah like in the design of her books like on the covers and stuff there's a lot of like detail and fill it Deliner of stuff um and sometimes like on the there's certain pages like chapter pa- title pages for uh 100 demons and also i remember like what it is having a lot of kind of mixed media in there like photos of like collages and stuff that she'd done which is cool kind of like a funky creative style it almost looks like a, a drawn or illustrated scrapbook. Yeah, like a scrapbook. And then I like her like handwriting style. Um, she often like mix mm-hmm. like cursive or calligraphy in with like block printing like you would normally see in a comic. And I like the variation. She doesn't always do that, but did you notice a pattern in her using like print versus mixing it with cursive i tried to look no. for it but i didn't yeah i didn't identify it mm-hmm. just seems like this is the word she likes to do in cursive. right yeah <laughs> yeah no i didn't notice a pattern jennifer do you have any final thoughts or um anything you'd like to say about linda berry you're gonna edit out this very long yeah long, long <laughs> we'll fix it in post <laughs> i just think she's like one of the coolest people on the planet she's one of my favorite cartoonists if not my favorite cartoonist she probably is my favorite cartoonist and um, I love to listen to her talk and she just seems like she has um, she has a really good outlook on Mm -hmm. life that's just my 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 feeling I was the one who nominated yeah Linda Berry to be on the podcast and when I told Jennifer that she looked at me and was like how do you know Linda Berry <laughs> no I mean I know it could be because I know you're a greener mm-hmm. that you would you would know Linda Berry but I just didn't know that about you <laughs> is it because he's so young that you thought he wouldn't know no well no not not necessarily I just um no it wasn't anything like that I think it was just you know, because Severin knows Linda yeah. Berry, and actually, uh, uh, is it Brunetti? Mm-hmm. I have that. I have that book. 
because a lot of like Severin's characters, especially like just the ones that he doodles, are brunetti characters, mm-hmm. and they have like they're hilarious. Um, how much expression you can get into just those simple simple shapes. He's got one, you know, that's like this eyebrow man and he's got these like big eyebrows and he marches around you know getting angry i don't know where i was going with that but <laughs> so um, it's not but yeah yeah but i would i would i would i would um yeah i would guess that you would know you know all the the evergreen what do you call them the celebrity the alumni. celebrity alum yeah. yeah celebrity alumni um you know because uh linda of linda.com Oh. is a greener and Matt Greening of course. Mm-hmm. Isn't Macklemore a greener too? Oh, probably. I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. That's a Google a lot moment. of cool people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and their mascot is the Gooey Duck. Yes it is. <clears throat> and they have an undefeated football team. Right. <laughs> um Linda Berry also won the 2019 MacArthur Genius Grant. Those are so weird. They just I don't know. And occasionally she does travel and give workshops. Yeah, it would be cool to have her come here. I, I, for some reason in my mind, I just always thought that she like lived around here. Mm-hmm. And then I learned that she uh, moved to Wisconsin a long, long time yeah, ago yeah, yeah. and has lived there instead. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, and I think it might because she writes so much about her childhood. Yeah, I, and I think this was another, I don't know if it was a fundraising thing or if it was attached to, I don't know if it was attached to Reading Frenzy or the um, Independent Publishing Resource Center, but she did a workshop up here, and I tried to sign up, but it was full, and then I got on the waiting list, and the day that it was supposed to happen, I think I ended up driving out to Astoria or something. And when I got back, there was a message on my phone saying uh, that there was a space for me. And it's like, oh, dang. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. So like, I don't know. Maybe I don't. Know, maybe she'll she'll come out again. But she seems like she's pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I have this little bio now from Drawn and Quarterly that says she's associate professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison Art Department and Wisconsin Institute for Discovery. And then I read or heard on that radio thing interview um, that she was also like a visiting artist to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Jacob, do you have any final thoughts before we close out? Um, I would just say, like, I highly recommend checking out her mm-hmm. Instagram if you're on Instagram. And now that we have some books in the library, mm-hmm. I suggest checking those out too i would like to check out making comics drawing mm-hmm. comics mm-hmm. making comics making comics mm-hmm. myself yeah. it'd be good to revisit that especially since it's recent yeah um and i had taken like i said i had taken comic making classes while i was at evergreen and so kind of going back and reliving that mm-hmm. going through that experience again i think i look forward to doing that and picture this as similar well thanks guys thanks for coming on talking with me Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for hosting. Um, Thanks for the good topic, Jacob. Yeah. Good job, Jacob. You're welcome. <laughs> You've been listening to your shelf. Or mine. Or mine. I'm Becky. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Jacob. Bye. 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 <laughs> Support for Your Shelf or Mine comes from the Friends of the Longview Public Library the Longview Library Foundation, and listeners like you. 
Your Shelfer Mind Jingle is written and performed by Megan McKeldery from A Song for You. Find Megan online at ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldery. That's M-E-A-G-H-A-N-M-C-E-L-D-E-R-R-Y. ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldery.